Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me today I have Pastor John Schubert. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked of church calendar. Uh, we talked about Lent and what that means. And uh, last week, we talked about Good Friday, and we celebrated Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday. And today, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us. But before we get started, John, I want to I want to go back in time. Let's go back a few centuries and put our feet in the shoes of um, first century Jews. What's going on in Jerusalem? Uh, what's happening with Jesus's disciples? What are people thinking? What are they saying? What are they doing? What's what's going on in Jerusalem the day that Jesus rises from the grave? Well, uh, maybe broaden the circle a little bit, um, just to give a, a taste of what might be in the minds of the of the folks there uh, in that first century. Um, there was a lot of Jewish unrest, of course. You know, there's um, Roman rule. They're, there's, they're being occupied by the Romans, so they're not leading them, their own nation. Religiously, of course, they have their own little um, system, but, you know, politically they're, they're under Roman rule. And so there's a lot of Jewish unrest um, religiously. You know, today we hear a lot about fake news. There was fake religion. Um, they were just going through the motions. Um, there was not, uh, for the most part, I mean, a, a massive majority of people who really were um, in relationship with God, even the, and especially the religious leaders were not really um, tracking well at all. In fact, they were abusive in their leadership. They were extorting people for money and, and uh, status and different things. Uh, they were really literally sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus even identified that in his uh, ministry prior to the, his crucifixion and resurrection. But at the time of, of Jesus' death and resurrection, that three-day span, you know, Jesus' disciples were confused about Jesus. They were convinced that he was the Christ. We read of that um, prior to um, the Holy Week. But their understanding of the purpose of Christ is fuzzy. They they thought that... that uh, Christ was going to be a political ruler and, you know, set up his kingdom immediately. You know, when, when Jesus announced that he was going to Jerusalem to die, Peter rebuked him, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, when he said that. Now, I, I've thought about that a little bit. Why was there such a strong rebuke of, of Peter by Jesus? I mean, I think Peter's motive was good. He didn't want his leader to die. He he was sold out to Jesus. He he wanted Jesus to fulfill uh, everything that that the Messiah was supposed to fulfill. And in Peter's mind, and all the disciples' minds, it wasn't. It didn't include dying. So you know, I think Peter's motive was right. But Jesus' um, rebuke was very strong. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's those are fighting words, but. Um, I think what was going on there was Satan was tempting Jesus to take the glory now. Hmm. Um, get get the big crowds now. Don't delay the inevitable glory told that later day that Satan knew about. Uh, and the disciples didn't. Take it now, Jesus. Let's, let's go for this now. You've got the crowds. You've got the momentum. Go for it. Hmm. That, I think, was, was behind Jesus' rebuke of, of Peter. Uh, but Jesus had just entered 
Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which we just celebrated. Um, and this past week, you know, we, we looked at Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, of course. And on Palm Sunday, there was great fanfare. The, the disciples were sure that this was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, uh, prophecies and promises concerning the conquering Messiah that was to come. But the week went very wrong in their eyes. Um, even during that week, there was massive dif- disagreement in the masses uh, after the, after the um, you know, triumphal entry. Some people believed that he was, he was actually the Messiah. Others didn't. Um, the, the religious leaders, of course, out of jealousy, um, but by God's sovereign design, stirred up the people to hate Jesus and demand his death, which took place. And then, of course, the resurrection. You know, this was this was the earth-shaking uh, event that no one had seen before, um, and uh, or since. <laughs> you know, no one's come back to life and remained alive. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few people who have been raised from the dead by Paul, by Jesus, but they died again. Jesus is the first fruit, the only one who actually came back to life and remains alive yeah. to this day physically speaking. Uh, So the resurrection happened, and there was all sorts of paradigm shift going on in the minds of those who were his followers. They were at the point of depression. You remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that Jesus encountered, and they were just depressed out of their minds. They didn't know what to do. We thought this guy was the Christ. Now what? Yeah. You know, our lives were shattered. And he says, <laughs> you little faith, yeah. pay attention. So it was it was an awesome, an awesome day, obviously, for all of us as Christians. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love looking at that story because on this side of the history, we know what happened. Right. We, we anticipate it. We look forward to it. When we celebrate Good Friday, we are anticipating Easter yeah. Sunday. Um, but it's always interesting to try to put our feet in the shoes of, of Peter, you know, and, and John and, and think through what, what is going on right now? Yeah. We have so much hope in this guy and now he's gone. He, 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 Jesus acknowledged to Peter that his testimony was true and that he had received it from the father. Yeah. You're right, Peter. I am God. Yeah. I am the Messiah. Yeah. And now he dies. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> What's going yeah. on here? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I can imagine... Like, I really can't imagine what yeah. Peter and the disciples must have been going through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're in fear for their lives, right? When we read Acts, they're, well, they're just I, I think in hiding. That, I think the the fear thing, the fear of their lives was secondary yeah. to their spiritual confusion. Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, like, everything that we believed yeah. was wrong. Yeah. This, this can't have been the Messiah. We, but he said he was. Yeah. We believed he was. We saw him walk on water. We... We saw the miracles. We saw him raise people from the dead. This, this was him, and now he's dead. Yeah. No, something, something. I can't imagine their their confusion. Sure. Luckily, it was only you know uh, three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. They, yeah. I, I don't think they probably slept too much during yeah. those three days. Yeah. They're probably completely zapped emotionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Craziness. Well, as we as we talked about on our podcast last week, the shed blood of of Christ uh, was the ransom price for our salvation. And you right. you read from Ephesians one, 
uh, seven it says, in him, Christ, uh, we have redemption through his blood. So if that's the case, what is what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ do for us? Well, <laughs> without the resurrection, we are we're toast. And frankly, without the resurrection, Jesus is meaningless. Mm. I mean, who wants a, a, a dead Jewish leader? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 don't, we have plenty of those. Yeah. You know, <laughs> read the Old Testament. We have plenty of dead Jewish leaders. Um, we don't need another one. So, in fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, the apostle Paul begins his letter by declaring the divine nature of Christ by the resurrection. He says this, And Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Hmm. So Jesus was declared to be the Son of God. Jesus was declared to be God himself. Finally, completely, in spite of all the miracles we saw, what without a doubt declared him to be the son of God is that he came back to life. Mm. So without the resurrection, Jesus is meaningless. Mm. There were, there were other signs and miracles that other people had did. Look at the life of Elijah. Look at Moses. Look at any of these guys who perform miracles in the old Testament. None of them came back to life. And so Paul said, this is the most important thing about Jesus. He came back to life. Mm. You know, so I think that's significant. Another thing, what is the what is the uh, importance of the resurrection to the Christian? Let me read to you from First Corinthians. This is, of course, one of every Christian's favorite passages, so you'll you'll probably recognize it really quickly. First Corinthians fifteen twelve. I'm going to read through twenty four. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom did not, whom he did not raise from the dead if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Hmm. Then those who, are, who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. Hmm. We're the dumbest people on the planet <laughs> if Jesus hasn't been raised from the yeah. dead. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so as in Christ all shall be made alive. But each to his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who are belong to Christ. Then comes the end. What an amazing <laughs> point Paul is making here. Without the resurrection, the life of Jesus is meaningless. Without the resurrection, your faith is meaningless. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. Hmm. <laughs> there's this is profound. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no other. There's nothing more important to us than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, we fast forward in the book of Romans to chapter 8, verse 11, and Paul says there that the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. So, a little sidetrack here, but Jesus was completely dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit 
to raise him from the dead. When Jesus closed his eyes in death, breathed his last, his last, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Huh. And he was saying, God, Father, Spirit, I'm trusting you now. I'm going to sleep. You'd better do what we had planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, it did. Yeah. And it said that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Yeah. And so what a... <laughs> What an awesome story to think about um, that that we we are worshiping um, this this savior who was a God man who was completely dependent on God the Spirit to do his promised work after death. Yeah. This is why Paul makes such a big deal about it in First Corinthians fifteen. If Christ has not been raised, we're doomed. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, Romans 6, 4, you know, we read that, that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So not only was he raised by the Holy Spirit's power, but he was raised by the glory of the Father. Uh, in other words, by God the Father's omnipotent and eternal design, Jesus came back to life. That was what was planned in eternity past. This is the plan. You're going to go to earth Son, you're going to live a perfect life. You're going to die a sinner's death. And I promise you, we will raise you from the dead. And this will be to my glory, to our glory as the divine trinity. Um, so what we have here, we have the most glorious thing imaginable. That God became man, died for sinners, and then in faith, Jesus in faith depended on the Father and the Spirit, to fulfill their promise before time began to raise him from the dead so that all those who would follow Christ through repentance and confession of sin and faith in him and his work would also be raised from the dead. <laughs> That's amazing. True. It really is. Yeah. It, it really is amazing. Well, it's so amazing to think about it too in the way that, you know, I think it's easy for us to, as Christians, to look at Christ and say, "Well, he was God, and he just did it himself because he was he was God." Yeah. So somehow Jesus in the grave came to yeah and uh, raised himself. Yeah. No. But to be to be our representative, he was fully dependent. Yes. Upon the spirit, he was man. Yeah. He had fingers and fingernails like you and me. Yeah. And he died. He actually stopped breathing. Yeah. And his buds blood stopped pumping and. He began to deteriorate. Yeah. You know, you think about all the things that happen in, in three days yeah. in a dead body. Pretty gross. Yeah. That all happened to Jesus. <laughs> and then the power of God, power of the Holy Spirit, the same power, by the way, that raised Lazarus from the dead. Yeah. It said, live. Yeah. Boom. The author of life, Paul calls him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. God can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen to this. You know, you, you think about, um, um, so what does the re resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for us? You asked Jeremy. I want to take you to Romans 6, 5 now. Uh, he says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Mm. Man, is there better news for a Christian? It's one thing to have our sins forgiven, and that's a, an amazing, guilt-relieving, power-inducing truth. Yeah. Our sins are forgiven. Yeah. But to tack on this truth, 
And when you die, by the way, you will be raised from the dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's good frosting on the cake, that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't get excited reading that chapter. I mean, well, I do. Yeah. You, can, you can be dead in, in spirit. Oh, sure. You know, sure. you can read this as a bunch of nonsense. Sure. You know. Sure. But as yeah. as a Christian. As a Christian, when, right. When you're reading this, it is just so full of hope and anticipation and, yeah. and excitement. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, we had a we had a friend of ours, Katie and I had a friend of ours pass away about two years ago, and he was a, he was a believer. And the only passage that I could think of was 1 Corinthians 15. There's this hope that we have in Christ and uh, the resurrection. So uh, keeping on, on this 1 Corinthians 15 uh, route, uh, you mentioned, John, the first fruits. Um, in verse 20, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What, what is Paul saying there, that Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep? Um, well, this is, a, this is a spectacular truth also that's connected to the resurrection. So first fruits is just a, an illustration that we, would, that we would understand. You know, this is the first fruits. The first fruit that comes off the tree is just a, a sign, a, a, a demonstration of what is to come. All right, so in this valley, we have a lot of orchards, and we know things about fruit. Um, and when, when, you, when you pick that first fruit off the tree, you know, you know what? There's a lot more to come here. This is, this is going to be a great season. Look at this first fruit. Look at this, look at this apple. Look at this pear. Look at this peach. And so you think of this in, in spiritual terms. We, we, we are call, Jesus is called the first fruit of what he says. He says in verse 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of, the, of those who have fallen asleep. So everybody else who has fallen asleep in Christ will experience the same thing Jesus did. He's the first to experience it. We will be the next. Mm. And so what Christ experienced on Resurrection Sunday, all the, the eternal, um, perfect, vibrant life that Jesus experienced and the things we read about that life that are, is fun to talk about, but that's a rabbit trail, so we won't go there. We will experience, we will have that same resurrected body that can experience the, the, the best of physical life, including eating and beauty and all those things that we love, and then additionally, all the things of eternal life. No more death, no more pain, mm. no more sorrow. Perfection. So Jesus has experienced it first, and because we're in Christ, as we've been reading here this morning, we're next. Mm. We're like awaiting our turn. Mm. And that's the promise. And so uh, James takes this thought, um, and James, of course, is the half-brother of Jesus. I'm convinced that James was there on Calvary when he died watching his older brother suffer and die. Mm. Um, and we're not certain whether or not James had been converted at this point on that, that Good Friday when Jesus, his older brother, died. But we're no, we know that after the resurrection, he believed. Mm. 
he, he had heard all the teaching. He had heard, he had watched Jesus, and now James believes. James all of a sudden understands all these things that Jesus has been telling him his whole life. Um, I, I'm, I'm convinced that James knew as much or more than any other of the disciples. Hmm. He was, he grew up with Jesus. Yeah. And, and as Jesus grew in his understanding of his own deity, his own messiahship, he was sharing these things with his brother. I'm convinced of it. And so when James comes to newness of life, reinvigorated spirit, regenerated spirit by the Holy Spirit, all these things came flooding back to his mind. And he's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so this is why James is such an awesome book um, that we've been studying here yeah. at Sun Valley. But in, in James chapter 1, verse 18, James says something that that I spent a little bit of time on um, here as I was preaching it. He says this, um, of his will, that is of God's will, uh, we, um, of his own will, we will be brought forth by the word of truth. So we're converted by the gospel, the word of truth, God's word, so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So not only is Jesus Christ a first fruit, for us who follow him, but we are to be a first fruit in the sense that others will follow us. Hmm. We we will be we should be those kind of people who live like we've been converted. I think um, we're going to talk about that here in a second if we have time. But once Christ has converted us, once the Holy Spirit has regenerated our soul, given us a new heart, we are to live and demonstrate what it means to be a. Um, uh, a person who knows God, who's had their sins forgiven, who has an amazing future, eternal and uh, an eternal glory facing us or looking forward to. And so um, we, we are now to live the way that God would have all people live. Mm-hmm. Christ is the first fruit demonstrating that we will one day experience what he has, and we are first fruit now to live in the way that, that the world can see how people live once they've been converted to Christ, mm. once they know Jesus, once they've had their sins forgiven, once they're convinced of their future, this eternal, blissful future that we all face as Christians. That's what, you know, and of course, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but that's that's an initial yeah. idea of the, the first fruits that Paul's talking about, that James is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so how, uh, how does Sunday morning... Before we get into this idea of you know how how we should live or how we ought to live, knowing that Christ is risen, um, how does each Sunday morning reflect the resurrection of our Savior? Well, maybe you can answer this for me, Jeremy. When did Jesus rise from the dead? I'm going to go with uh, Sunday on this one. <laughs> <laughs> the first day of the week, I think we read that is when it took place. And so as faithful Christians throughout the centuries, in fact, in fact, immediately after the resurrection, they began to meet on the first day of the week, remembering all the teachings of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them and teaching them to remember all that I've instructed you. Mm-hmm. And so what Christians do is they gather on Sunday, the day that he was raised from the dead, and we teach what Jesus taught his first disciples. That's what it means to have apostolic teaching. Mm. We teach what he taught the apostles, and the apostles taught us 
Peter, James, John, Paul. So that's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. We we remember every single Sunday morning through our liturgy at Sun Valley Church that Jesus is who he said he was to um, Mary and Martha in John 11. Mary, I'm the resurrection and the life. You, 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 if you want to know life, you, you must come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so on Sunday morning, we celebrate the greatness of God, including the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge our need for him in our liturgy. We, we exalt his greatness and goodness and love. And then we, we recognize our sin and we run to the cross every single Sunday and embrace once again the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of Jesus himself for us. And it's all dependent upon the resurrection. Hmm. And, and every single Sunday we remember it. We're celebrating the resurrection every single Sunday. So every Sunday really is Resurrection Sunday mm. for us as Christians. We have this once a year Easter thing that we do um, simply because this is the time of year that it happened on the first Easter. But really, every single Sunday is a celebration of that first Easter Sunday mm. because of what I told you earlier about the importance of the resurrection. We have nothing without the resurrection. Christ is nothing without the resurrection. And so we gather and celebrate it every single week. Mm. Our own, in fact, our own spiritual resurrection in Christ, we are, we remember every Sunday. Also, mm. those of us who know Christ. So yeah, we have, we have, this wonderful opportunity every single Sunday, to rejoice in a raised, a living Savior, not some dead guy who said some cool things a few centuries ago. Sure. So, yeah. That's Sunday morning to us. Yeah. So Christ is alive. He is risen, and he's he better risen. be. <laughs> he better be. <laughs> we believe he is. Yeah. We believe the scriptures are true. Yeah. We believe that the words that we read from John, from from Paul, are the word of God, mm-hmm. the words of God for us. We're lost without him. So yeah, we believe we hang on. That's our. This is our only hope. We we have no second you know or third option here if the first one doesn't work out yeah. this is our only hope yeah, yeah. so yeah. we're to be most pitied yeah as, as paul, paul would said. say yeah. yeah yeah so what do we do what do we do with this this knowledge of the resurrection of christ well that is the question for every christian do we do religion you know in religion, in our in our vernacular, um, religion, and the way I say that is because religion in the Puritans' vernacular meant true Christian relationship with God. But do we just act religious, like show up on Sunday and and do our duty, you know, sing a few songs, not not a few times, shake some hands, and leave? Or does this affect our life? I mean, we could go probably to any book of the New Testament and without too much difficulty find how the resurrection of Jesus should impact our daily living. Mm. Anything. I mean, if it is in fact the most important uh, historical event in human history, if it is the most important event in human history that impacts our eternal existence, 
it's got to be more than a Sunday thing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be more than, you know, some Sunday school rhymes and a few cute verses and, you know, a couple smiles, you know, through our masks on Sunday. It's got to be a reality that consumes our daily living. If, in fact, we are in Christ, have our sins forgiven, have an eternal future promised to us by Christ himself, what what else can we be living for? Mm-hmm. In fact, Jeremy, this is why I'm in, in full-time vocational ministry. Not that you have to be a pastor to live out the the significance of the resurrection. That's not the case. That's not what I'm saying. Every single one of us. You can live out the significance of the resurrection as a plumber, as a teacher, as a fireman, as an unemployed person. But there needs to be some intentionality about it. You don't, you don't think of yourself as a fireman who happens to be a Christian or a, a doctor who happens to know Jesus. No. You're a, a, a converted, regenerated soul who's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a converted, regenerated soul who's a teacher. Yeah. You're, you're a, a housewife, a mother of two or three who is, knows Jesus. Yeah. The, the, our, our, our identifying mark is Christ. Yeah. Everything else follows that, whether you're a mom, a dad, a teacher, a lawyer, unemployed, you know, a fly fisherman, doesn't matter. Yeah, it seemed to be Paul's thing, right? He would always, I'm, I'm a slave of Christ. First. Before he mentioned, you know, by the way, I'm also an apostle. <laughs> kind <of> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that, and that's the attitude you're asking about. Yeah. Is there anything more worth living for? Yeah. Cool cars, fleeting youth, more fishing, more skiing, more hiking, more sports. What are we living for? Sure. I mean, 100 years from now, what are we going to be doing? Are we going to be putting on makeup and lifting weights? Probably not. You know, trying on a new pair of shoes? No. We're going to be in the presence of our Creator. And so our current existence ought to reflect that future reality, Hmm. which is dependent upon the past. In other words, the historical past. Jesus Christ born into our world, lived the perfect life, died for our sins, was raised on that third day. That should make every ounce, every minute, every second of difference in how we live. We should live reflecting on these truths we're talking about this morning. It It should change the way I think about you and the way I work, the way I treat my wife, the way I spend my free time, what I entertain myself with, and what I don't do, what I do do. Everything is dependent upon my view of Christ and his resurrected reality. So we can't just say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I go to church over there, that's it, and then the rest of the week I'm concerned with what I'm doing. No. I I think if if you take that, that position, that attitude, that you know, uh, Christianity is what you do on Sunday, and then the rest of the week I'm consumed with myself. You really, really haven't come to grips with Jesus Christ. 
You really don't understand the glorious reality of his becoming man, of his perfection, of his sacrificial death. You haven't come to grips with the fact of his faithful waiting on the Holy Spirit's resurrecting power, the glorious plan of God. You haven't come to grips with who God is and who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. If, in fact, your Christianity is all it is, is it begins and ends on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's everything, Jeremy. It's everything. Now, of course, <laughs> we all sin and we all live and, and, and you know, lose our focus weekly, if not daily. Um, but that's why we come back to the place of confession and repentance and, you know, realign our sights and, and get a clear vision of, of who we are in Christ. And, and, you know, Sunday is wonderful in doing that for us, which is why we encourage everyone to be there every week on Sunday and open your Bibles weekly, I mean daily throughout the week, and and commune with God and f- confess your sins and pursue Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Yeah. Well, friends, the, the resurrection of our Savior ought to transform us uh, in every area of our life. And I want to leave you with this passage from 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul writes, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Friends, our Savior is risen, and he lives, and he intercedes for us. And we pray that that transforms your mind and your thinking and your actions today as you go out into the world uh, to proclaim Christ and all that he has accomplished. We love you, church, and we look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.